afternoon. You're listening to Scariff Bay Community Radio. And this is local media this week, where a panel have a look at the print media here in County Clare, the Clare Champion and the Clare Echo, and we let you know what they're talking about this week. Delighted to be joined by our usual panel today, and that's uh, John S. Kelly. John, you're very welcome. Thank you, Jim. Delighted to be here. Pat O'Brien. Pat, Thank good you. to see you. And David Fleming. David, you're very welcome. Thanks, Jim. Local Media This Week is sponsored by Ruth Griffin Photography. And uh, we'll be talking about Ruth. We can talk about her now because Ruth Pat has a lovely photograph from one of the matches last weekend yeah, on the front page of the Clare Echo. And it's about the last day of the summer, Jim. It uh, looks like. Yes. Uh, last of the summer sun is, is the hidden. And there's a lovely picture there of Fionn Hegarty enjoying the sunshine at the hurling and <laughs> at the meeting of Whitecliffe and Rowan in the Clare Intermediate Hurling Championship with Dr. Lady Tark and Tuller. And um, there's a lot content there anyway with two isn't, slippers. Isn't and it, the, it's and a lovely photograph. Lovely photograph, yeah. And Fort, um, Ruth uh, has it there on the front of the Clare Echo. And he's in great form. Isn't he? He is. Uh, and I presume, I don't think he's... Uh, Hegarty... I doubt if he's from Whitegate. Yes, no, I said it's a so Rwanda. Rwanda. Anyway, the match ended in a draw, as far as I remember. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, he's, he looks very happy. He's talking to his hat. Yes. No, not through his hat, <laughs> no, but to his hat. <laughs> okay, so that's uh, Ruth's photo on page one of the Clare Echo. I suppose it's certainly the Clare Echo this week uh, is dominated on the front page and again inside. Garda numbers dwindle in Clare. And I suppose we've spoken in recent times about Clare as a, as a Garda constituency has been broken up and part of East Clare has been hived off with Tipperary. And we were, I think we've mentioned that before. But this is the overall picture of, of Garda numbers in Clare. Uh, and it's, Clare has 33 less Garda numbers than it had in 2018. Now, it varies between 33 and 23. I think if you add in new inspectors and various things, we might be on a minus 30, minus 23. But Jim, the, the, the figures are, are telling us in the article, uh, are telling us that, um, what is it it's saying? Yes, you have fewer Garda in Clare and more inspectors. Yes. No. How do you interpret that? Um, I, I think we're very good in Ireland for creating inspectors across all uh, areas of work. I mean, the way I look at it is, if you have 23 fewer Gardaí, of whatever rank they are, you can hardly be providing a better service. Well, you'd have a hell of a lot, a lot of justification to do it in order to yes. you know, carry it, wouldn't you? I mean, what does it... What's the thinking there? Huh? The, the, John, we, there's six superintendents in the new Clare Tipperary division. But that's but not there's only one. There's only one in County Clare. Yeah. The other five are in the tip, are in Tipperary. Yeah. Is it a, is it back to maybe yeah, Clare versus Tipperary? Maybe there's Harling? more. Maybe there's more crime down in Tipperary. <laughs> and we have we have no um, superintendent based in Killaloo. Killaloo, no. But um. Yeah, it's 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 strange. It is very strange, and I suppose I mean the bottom line is with our, with twenty three fewer bodies, mm. it the service has to be 
you know, less efficient, mm. less effective. Mm. Mm. I mean, you could, 23 people less, you could hardly give the same or an improved level of service. No, and um, we always, of course, this station uh, during Saturday Chronicle always have has the, 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 the guard, the report, um, yeah. and the, the importance placed on community policing. And if you have fewer, if you have fewer police, um, on the ground, you won't have that sort of level of, of community policing, and which is the, probably the policing that you probably want, especially... In what in the name of heaven, David, after how many years of community policing, what exactly does community policing do? How is it organised? How is, how is it structured? Well, you're asking the wrong person because I'm not sure... Well, except well, that I know that we have a, a local guard um, who is based in, 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 in and who knows his um, or her community yeah. and therefore is able to gather intelligence, is able to police that community in a, in a way that a person, a, a person who wouldn't have that knowledge. And they were very good at that. I mean, that's the historically. way. Historically, that's the way all police forces used to work. Um, now, there's a certain, like in every profession and in every area, there's a, a lot of centralization. Mm, yeah. The arguments for centralization, the arguments for efficiency, and all of that, I'm sure it affects the guards as well. We've seen this week the Garda Commissioner, Drew Harris, um, being uh, told that his rank and file have absolutely no confidence in him. Uh, so the guard, the guards, the guard, the, the police force in this country are at senior level anyway are in serious trouble. Um, if they can't police themselves <laughs> and get well, the organisation right. When I was growing up, we had guardy living in the area, mm. in in East Clare, mm. between Whitegate or Mount Shannon, mm. Scarath, Tumgraney. Mm. There were guardy living about who knew everybody in the community mm. intimately. Though intimately. And I mean, you know, God be good to him, Paddy Lowry, you know, he was one of those. And Paddy would have a word with somebody and would stave off trouble mm -hmm. before it happened. Yeah. And, and it's hard, of course, harder to do that sort of thing. But I th those sorts of engagements mm. can prevent a lot of things. But then they put every Garda into a Garda car yeah. and they swing around driving in the Garda yeah. car and they call that community policing. Yeah, and no, no, that's no, not that community policing, yeah, that's... Yeah. And that and might be a bit unfair, Jim. You know? Why so? Because we never did get an analysis of what community policing means. Well, what do you think community policing means, John? Everybody will have a view on, on, on that. I would say certainly um, bodies on the ground. Nobody will disagree with that. They do. Mm. Who does? They say it's a waste of... Uh, some, some within the Gardaí would say that's a waste of resources. Yeah. I well, mean, and, and don't see that. Don't don't automatically see the value of a nice uniform. And we said this last week, and we said it the week before, and we keep saying it until somebody justifies um, their point of view, which is opposite to us. That is, we need to see the blue suit and <laughs> whatever you like to call it, um, and engaging in normal contact least once a day. 
Well, and, and, and there is a place for Gardaí in a Garda car as oh, well, no, because, yeah. I mean, criminals move around they and, and Gardaí need mobility. To, you too. go to any major town or city on the continent, whether it's Germany, Spain, Italy or France, and you'll see police amongst the populace. Oh, you will. I think our, our police are probably tied up with bureau, bureaucratic office work too much, probably. I don't know. I could be totally wrong about this. But they have, they're doing something anyway, and they're not as visible as they used to be. Um, and that's, that's, that's a factor. Um, we are fortunate, I think, in this part of the world that we don't see the crime levels that other parts, that the major cities, and particularly Dublin, like Dublin mm. now, is a no-go area in certain parts. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And you're, you're, you're a major, you're a major uh, three, three major different, uh, um, in Galway last week there, where you had, um, yes. uh, what you call incidents, yes. public order incidents, yeah. with fellas going around uh, with their shots off and they're beating each other and beating up innocent people, attacking innocent people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just wondering if you did have Gardaí on the ground, as and, and maybe it's a pipe dream, but uh, you know, similar to what they were in mm. olden days, um, would would some of the crime that happens mm. be curtailed? We nipped in the bud, you know, with mm. information. It, it may with not, Jim, mm. but it would. It probably is more of a psychological thing for us mm. to know that we mm. have police amongst us who are amongst us. Whereas if they're not amongst us and the crime is happening anyway, we'll immediately blame the guards for this mm. crime or that they're not. But psychologically, I think it's it's critical for, for a community. Definitely the cities that should have them anyway. They should mm. definitely, yeah. definitely have yeah. more uh, that type yeah. of stuff. Yeah. But you can't expect the guards to be everywhere. But no. that's why this station, by, by having the guard on every Saturday, is a kind of a psychological thing mm. for us to know that yeah. yeah, there is somebody keeping an eye. And the local guard, I mean, they are brilliant, and mm. they and they have a good knowledge of the area. Mm. Yeah. You know, but I mean, we need more of them. But uh, and you're getting you're getting fewer. Yes. Yeah. There's, I mean, another, there's another story there as well uh, on page twelve of the Echo Jim Crow leaves clear GPC meeting after clash with with chief superintendent. What happened there, Pat? Clear TD Carl Crow being a stormbloody to speak giant policing committee following a clash with. Chief Superintendent Colin Russell and Vice President Mahan. This is a good line. Crow's feathers were ruffled. He struggled to get answers from Chief Superintendent to questions he had admitted three weeks three weeks in advance on Tuesday's meeting of Clare's Kevin Rockless members. Deputy Crow and Violet Ann Wynne were the only ones present. Meeting Native Crow had table queries on illegal encampments and applications of a section 24 notice, the use of scrambling bikes by youths without helmets, and the license and the license to issue to coach tour operations operators. So, mm. um, he didn't get uh, the answers he wanted anyway, and he, he, but he didn't he get left, any answers. He left the meeting. Mm. He left the meeting. Yeah. It's it's on page uh, eight yeah, of the of the of the yeah of and twelve the, of the echo. And I wonder if when somebody gives, you know, is is evasive. And maybe they're entitled to be evasive. Maybe the questions weren't, he would maintain the questions weren't yeah, relevant. Yeah. But if someone is evasive, it just sends out the wrong signal. It does. And politicians, of course, know exactly when they... Of course they do. <laughs> so, and, and when the shoe is on the other foot, as it was in this case, uh, they get very upset. 
But um, yeah, questions were asked. This uh, joint policing committee um, is, is supposed to be the forum where politicians, whether they're local or national, um, can engage with the, with the Gardaí, uh, the superintendents and so on. And uh, it's obvious in this case uh, that Crow was bringing up issues that his constituents are concerned about. So although he didn't mention any names, I think we can all guess from reading the newspapers over previous weeks what he was, uh, what he was talking about with illegal encampments, for example. The, the scrambler bike issue um, which he raised, he, he argued that um, the Gardaí were, had, uh, were not following uh, these bike bikers, these, scram these people on, on scrambler bikes, uh, when they were not wearing helmets. And That's he, about a clava one, isn't it? I don't know. Um, they weren't wearing helmets anyway. And seemingly, he alleges that an order had been issued to guards from senior management or whoever it was, not to follow them. And he was asking, was this order issued? And the superintendent did not answer that question. Mm -hmm. Now, he did say the superintendent, whose name is O'Sullivan, Colm O'Sullivan, um, he did say that if, if uh, anybody is found not conforming to the law in terms of wearing safety equipment, they will be followed. But I think Deputy Crow was Deputy Crow was arguing that these bikers are Already. drug mules yeah. or um, delivering drugs at one delivering drugs, drugs yeah, yeah. Uh, for 150 euro a day. Um, so it's an, it's a, it's it's interesting the way that uh, that what, these what things you, come out. What do you think should happen as a result of what you exposed yeah. there? What do you think should happen? Well, I think that in in the area of uh, illegal encampment. I think none of us know what the law is. Oh. Yeah. We're wondering, can the Gardaí do this? Are the council, have they power to do this? And there are suggestions that they have and suggestions that they haven't. Yeah. I think it should be made clear because obviously they're illegal encampments. We've had a surplus of them in Clare in the particularly Shannon Six Mile Bridge area and Ennis as well over, over the last while. But obviously they happen in other counties as well. Um, but I, somebody should make make it clear what the law is. Yeah. Well, I well we understand anyway that the council did get an order from the courts to remove the encampment in uh, Six Mile Bridge. We also know that the Gardaí have not yet enforced that order. So I think Crow was wondering why not, and I suppose we would as members of the public wonder as well. And it hasn't been publicly stated, but presumably there is some issue as to why the order isn't being enforced. Yeah, that's what the problem is. Where are they going to put the caravan? That's one problem. Because, uh, there could be legal problems yeah. and, and mm. interpretations. And there could be other issues. But I think it's imperative that those things are laid out. It is. Because yeah. it's at the end of the day, you know, the legal difficulties are caused by legislation. Yes. And our TDs are the people who draw up and pass That's legislation. That's true. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 so yeah. essentially you're saying there has to be a follow-up on this. Well, there does. Yeah, there does. Well, there needs to be clarification, John, on the, on the law and the rules, yeah. and, the, and everyone should know it, yeah. and a, a clear clarification on it. But 
Yeah. The peers of recent children doesn't seem to be looper than other Would we be sympathetic with Deputy Crow in trying to ask these questions? Certainly he's entitled to ask them. Yeah. And, and to receive answers, would yes. we not say? And we'd be interested in the answers as a transmitter of the... Yeah. yeah. So we hope our journalists will pursue that. Yeah. Maybe. yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll go on. Uh, there's regeneration in Ennis. And the idea of regeneration, of course, people think that's a, a positive thing. Uh, contract signed for 11.5 minutes in Ennis, public Wellham regeneration project. It's on page 14 of the Echo, and it's on the, it's on the front page there of the, the champion. Of the champion, yes. Business backlash to regeneration project, and Jessica Quinn has the story. A contract has been signed this week by Clare County Council with Shale Lidge Limited to deliver 11.5 million upgrade to the streetscape of High Street, Bank Place, O'Connor Square, O'Connor Street, Old Barrick Street, and Barrick Square, Wright Park, and Maham. Phase two of the, of the Innes Public Wellam Regeneration Project is set to get underway in the autumn. The project will be delivered in phases to minimize disruption to local businesses and traffic flow through Innes, and it is set to be completed in 2025. Uh, funding totaling 8,576,920 has been approved for the project, which allows the successful delivery of a significant public Wellam enhancement of Cambridge Street and the town Lindus. And we and Bow is in 2021. 20, um, I, I just wonder about this um, um, project in Linus. I don't think it's too long ago since all uh, the square in Linus, around O'Connor Square, was all done in Linus and down, and all new, new paved um, paths laid down along O'Connor Street. Yeah. And all around Derrick Street, and all, all uh, sorted out and trees put in it. And, uh, parking areas and seating areas, and now they're going to be it up again and redoing it again. And I suppose for the business people there, it is a problem if their businesses are, are going to be yeah. impeded and affected yeah. for the next two years. Yeah. So I, I suppose some some businesses uh, will, will benefit from what's happening. It will increase the footfall of a particular type. The question is, is he or she a spender? Because if she need, he or she needs to spend money, if there to be of economic benefit to the actual, but there will be businesses that may well lose. Is mm. that inevitable? When well, in it, fact well, you engage in, in when you engage the business in little, development, the, the business little gain, uh, John, are the ones that will be outside of the town, the likes of the ones outside, maybe people who go to Lidl or they'll go to. So yeah, what the, or, or the Queen Road, or the Queen Road, well, 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 outside well, the town, because well, you, you, you can't, you won't be able to get up and down through the town. But you will then, no during the, you, during the construction during work. the construction period. Yeah. But I would never yeah. dream of driving a car through uh, O'Connell Street in Ennis. I, I, it's so narrow. There's Put so many people. Mirrors. That picture, page two, the mock-up of what it will look like, yeah. gives the impression it. that it's an enormously wide street, and and look at the size of the paths. That's that's Jim, complete fabrication. Well, imagine Jim Pets the present time are wide. If you walk down O'Connor Street, there I don't I don't think wide. they're as wide as that. I don't think they're as wide as that, but they're definitely wide. Um, uh, but but I, I don't think any car should be going up O'Connor Street, and it would be much better for the businesses if it was pedestrianised. But anyway, um, I, the businesses definitely wouldn't wouldn't allow for that. But the businesses don't agree either with oh, pedestrianisation. Oh, actually, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying that they don't agree, but. I think where, where streets like that, you go up to Galway, look at Shop Street in Galway. 
one of the most successful pedestrianised uh, streets in the country. I hope, though, that Ennis has learned the mistakes of Limerick City when it regenerated uh, its O'Connell Street. The amount what of What did they do wrong? What, what did they do right? <laughs> Almost the design, is, the design is very poor. It took much longer than anticipated. It's still not quite right. Um, in, term, in terms of, the, uh, of what they've done. There's water lodging on certain paths. They, 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 it's all, all sorts of problems. And, and, it, and it, it did upset the businesses dramatically, and it did reduce. I suspect, I don't know of the studies that were done, but it did reduce uh, footfall. Footpaths in Limerick now, you could take, uh, you could take uh, two cars up and down. Yeah, they have reduced it. And yeah. Pat, what do you think? It. What do you think that indicates? What well, indicates, uh, from what I see, is is is, is Eamon Ryan wants to get out rid of cars over to the city centre. In long term. Yeah, because there's no, you can't tack up and down long. You could one time yeah. you could tack up and down a court site. Can you visualise? You can't tack there a anymore. A huge amount of pedestrianisation uh, on O'Connor Street. In Ennis. No, in Limerick first. Well, well, it's such uh, a wide street that it can accommodate cars. Yeah. Yeah. But I but coming back to Ennis, well, you can you can just there's only two there's only two now uh, in, in 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 Limerick there's two two lanes. Well, so you, before you had, you had two lanes and you had, you could tap a can at both sides, but you can't do that anymore. But what has happened in Limerick, I think, over the last twenty years, is that these large retail outlets Our have emerged outside the city on, on uh, yeah kind of on the M whatever it's yeah. called yeah. Yeah. Or, or around. The ring yeah. road around. Mm -hmm. Now, the one in, in Duradoyle was there a long time before that, yeah. but that has expanded enormously yeah. as well. But that was, that was the county council building, allowing the building of all those, and hence why the county and the city were joined. And up. we did, David, we did refer to that every time um, Little uh, or uh, Aldi were mentioned in planning. We've all taken, all has taken the point of view that this is going to drive business, the remaining bit of business, mm. from the centre of whatever town it is, but in Ennis, to the actually, outskirts. In Ennis, the, the Aldi and the Dunn stores and the Tesco's are relatively within the centre. You can walk, you can in walk Ennis's to, case, in Ennis. Yes. En Ennis is well planned from that point of view. I, I hope, like, I, I take Pat's point though, that wasn't, wasn't this done not so long ago. Not so long ago, no. And, and again, Scarif, Scarif here is there's there are proposals that it be done. Um, I think sometimes planners, when they get a pocket full of money, they said, oh, they, 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 their creative they, juices, their creative juice flows, and they say, out with the old and completely in with the new. You, you Whereas there's no sort of balance. Yeah. I thought that, were, that you were greasing. Gre greasing the paws. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, uh, to me, uh, you know, putting the cab before the horse and a lot of these things, we, we, have, we, have, we have huge problems with, uh, we have huge problems with soldiers going into the sea and into rivers and everything. And, and, yeah. and, and um, they're spending money, they like spending 10 million inside around in us now. And, uh, like, that had to do with two soldiers schemes in, in, in a couple of villages around the county. I yeah. suspect, yeah. though, what is happening, Pat, is that the government makes packages of money for yeah, what are they, they're calling it realm regeneration. But is, is there a need for it really? Well, it's a good question, and it's a question for the for the government. Okay, listen, we'll go on. We'll stay with just, cars. Just before we go, Jim, ground yes. excavations take just after Abbey Street, so they'll they'll go on. They're going to try to find. 
I'm going to dig it up every three. To see what was there before. Archaeology dig. But you don't agree with that, no? And just the whole place is telling the cat of John and there's cat packing places in it. And you leave it as a cat park. They're going to dig in this and then they're going to build in a big building in it. Yeah, that's less taking out more cows out of minutes again. Yeah. So well, that's, isn't that us, one of the objectives? If I drive from uh, O'Callaghan's Mills into, to, into, and I have a dubious shopping or whatever, I, I do inside the only that's called call mm. someone, I, I have to go in and try and find the cow pack out, way out, yeah. and walk. But if they find your long lost ancestor, the O'Briens, that lived in Ennis, <laughs> you'd be very happy. Well, listen, when you are driving into Ennis, uh, your, your speed limit is going to be curtailed. Oh, yeah. uh, and you're going to have to slow down considerably. I see that uh, there on page one of the Clare Champion, uh, they're talking about community takes action to end unreported madness on roads. And that's following on in, in the Kilfenora. Yeah. Uh, area, isn't that right? Uh, Kilfenora, Ellis Diamond, yes. Valley Vaughan, that yeah. area. Yeah, yeah. That area. The, um, yeah. and, 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 and nationally, they're, they're, they're taking action on the same, you know, the speed limits. But if you look, unfortunately, if you, if you look at the picture on page three of the champion, the champion. Uh, road accidents, top of council agenda, you'll see the Karen Courtney there and Miles Duffy taking part in community protests in Ballyvaughan following the death of local man Jerry O'Connor. And they're holding up a sign in Ireland, drive on the left. The cause of that accident was not speed. No, it was somebody driving the wrong side of the road. And we're all talking about the speed, the speed mm. limits, and it is a factor, don't get me wrong, but there are other factors as well. Mm. And they're taking one big lump hammer to try and solve mm. uh, a, di a, a, a diverse problem. The diverse is the wrong word, but a multifaceted problem. You can't put a hedge now on the side of the road from the, from the 15th, uh, 17th of March to the 1st of March to the end of September. Now, all the growth is in the summer. Now, I see uh, uh, an article uh, last week in the paper all about bulls um, uh, and all this thing. And uh, uh, they've done studies, and the bulls don't, uh, don't actually hatch on the, on, the, on the ditches by the road because they're too, they're too noisy. Mm. Yeah. So I, I don't know why, why, why they can't cut back. That's not interesting. That's interesting science. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that should be. That should be sent in. Of course, we just we could cut back on cars as opposed to cut back on <laughs> cutting hedges and, and just not go on bikes. Chip. Go on bikes. Or walk. But don't you think that's part of the whole objective of this? I work? suspect Pat is right that it is. Yeah. And the new the new the new bus service now. But hold it. If I'm on my bike and the hedge of the ditch, the ditch has been grown out. I'm going to be pushed out into the road. Yeah. And more likely to be hit by a bloody car. Or even another bike. <laughs> <laughs> Family of Liverpool legends sing praises of Doolan Store, and that's on page two of the Clare Echo. And uh, those of us who uh, have been around a while will remember uh, the legendary Liverpool manager Bill Shankly. Yeah. Uh, Pat, you remember? Yeah, yeah. I have to. I have to only get on Clare Fim this morning on that chin, and he he was on, and he said the way this. A uh, distressed woman came into him uh, uh, on uh, back in June, and Jules um, uh, were with her, and they had a, a camper van, and it had broken down. Um, um, Donny Gallagher, he has a, um, 
um, Temple Station being on near Dolan. So he went down and he, he had a test him anyway, and he contacted a friend of his, come on in, to collect him, and he was in biscuits and um, water and things, and so very hot. How important he, is that? He, he got him down to the campsite where they were anyway, and uh, the next thing anyway, uh, in a few weeks after, he got a, a lovely uh, car back thanking him, and yeah. uh, it was uh, Bill Shankly's daughter. And what message did we take out of that report? Mm -hmm. Which was, uh, it was, uh, after he gone along and helped them, it was, you know, it was... We should be nice and nice, we yeah. should be kind to our visitors. Yeah. And to locals as well, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very quickly before we break. Yeah. Uh, West Clare is being wiped out. <laughs> What's the heading? Uh, West Clare is the, particularly the county development plan, and the modifications to the county development plan or the amendments which are being forced on the council are going to, um, I'm just looking for the page, page here. Page 10 of the Clare Echo. Page 10 of the Clare Echo are going, and it's also on, uh, I think there's a sign West Clare RIP on page four of the Clare Champion. Champion yeah. But uh, West Clare is going to be wiped out. Maybe parts of East Clare as well. Has anyone any... Um, if West Clare is wiped out, does that benefit East Clare? Uh, I wouldn't think so, because a lot of East Clare would be wiped out as well. This is the usual sort of um, headline-grabbing attempt by certain councillors uh, from the district. I suppose that's their job, to highlight issues. It's, it's the old story. We, we covered this before. The, um, the, the county development plan needs to be amended because it does not conform uh, to the national guidelines where you're not allowed any longer to build on national routes. Um, presumably the argument is that if the national route ever needed to be widened or something like that, you wouldn't have to go down the route of compulsory purchase and all that expense to the citizen. Um, the council, the development plan had to be amended because the the, the planners and the council executive had put in a proviso that under certain circumstances we'll consider it. Mm. And they were told to get rid of that and they've gotten rid of it now. I think they're getting rid of it. And, um, but the councillors are very upset, as you'd expect. And uh, that's the, that has produced the headline. Is there any point in a local plan if it has to be vetted in Dublin and sent back with amendments? Well, we must remember, and I was thinking about this today, our councils only exist uh, because the doll has allowed them to exist. Our councils have to exist and have to work with local legislation. The same with bylaws. The council can pass bylaws, but if, in their in contra if, they, if they contradict uh, national law, national mm. law trumps. Yes. It's the law of the land. Okay, so that's your, your <laughs> down on the side of let West Clare RIP away. Now, um, we might, we're on 31 minutes, so Pat, do you have any bit of music? There's a couple of things that we haven't got to, um, and I'll, I'll bring those up maybe at the start of part two. But Pat, have you some music for us? Well, this must be to the Harvest Henry of Jim, and we have Neil Young from 1992 with Harvest Moon. Oh, that's a fabulous music. Thank you very much, Pat.
great Neil Young there with Harvest Moon. Uh, you're listening to local media this week on Scarif Bay Community Radio, sponsored by Ruth Griffin Photography. Ruth from Fetal, brilliant photographer, and uh, does fantastic work, can be seen in the local papers. Now, uh, in this period, or in the second half, we generally look at things to do with East Clare, and well, one way or another, they're going to, we drag it into the East Clare uh, frame. I suppose one of the things that's in the paper in, in the Clare Echo this week, in Green Clare, mm. which is on page uh, 18, 18 is uh, the headline says, Action Needed on Invasive Species. And you've been looking at this closely, David. I have, <coughs> and this is one thing we don't want in East Clare. Uh, but unfortunately, we have dragged it in somehow. Uh, they, 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 these are invasive species, and uh, such as giant hogweed and Japanese knotweed. And uh, Councillor Michael Begley, an independent councillor, brought a motion before the council last week to urgently seek adequate funding specifically for the eradication of invasive species. And um, the response he got from John Leahy, the senior engineer with Roads and Transportation Department of the Council, was municipal districts can highlight locations for treatment and provide cost estimates to roads and transportation, and we will then apply for the requisite funding. So they didn't like, the councillor Begley didn't necessarily like that answer. He wanted a more proactive. Uh, now, I see it all the time. I travel in. Uh, to the University of Limerick via Broadford. And unfortunately, along that road are big stretches, long stretches of Japanese knotweed. It's now in flower. Now is the time really? to spot it. They've sort of, it's a white flower. You'll also see another invasive species, but it's much more easy to get, well, it's a little more easy to get rid of, which is the bindweed, which is also in flower at this time of the year. It has a white cup-type flower. Mm -hmm. But you'll notice, you'll notice the giant hogweed in certain places, particularly in wet areas along rivers, but the Japanese knotweed, which is very bad. Um, and there is a little ad at the bottom of the page 18 of the Clare Echo, which I've just spotted. Can you spot invasive alien species? And learn how to identify, record, and report them. And so what the one thing I'm going to do now is try to uh, report these to the council, because unfortunately, as Pat mentioned in the first half, hedge cutting season is about to begin. Has and, begun and, in and what impact would cutting these have? Unfortunately, that's how it's spread. At this time of the year, when they are cut, uh, the machine itself retains the, the flower heads, which are the seed heads, and then it's brought along and eventually they drop onto the ditch and, and they're so invasive that they take off the following year and it's very hard to get rid of them. Councillor Begley says here it takes three to five years and it's fairly intensive chemical stuff, which we don't like to hear. I'd, if anybody is concerned, I'd have a look at page 18 of the Clare Echo. Yes, I wonder if they, and I'm not asking you this now, but the the giant knotweed, is that a dangerous plant? The or hogweed, or? it is. No, if you touch hogweed, that. Sorry, yeah, the, hog, the hogweed is dangerous. Oh yeah, the hogweed is, you, you'll get burnt. You'll get very bad burning on your hand. Yeah, yeah. The mm -hmm. Japanese knotweed isn't dangerous to touch. But, but I wouldn't be touching it because you could be bringing it with you. Yes. Mm -hmm. And am I, am I seeing hogwort around? 
You are, in, there's a good picture of it there, John, on page 18, which yeah. shows a typical example. Now, it is the giant variety. People get sometimes mixed up with the, with the one which is low-growing. That's not, that's not the hogweed that is damaging or invasive. That's just the ordinary one. But this giant one, I think, grows several feet into the air. And it's you nice, a nice-looking... Uh, well, and that's why it was brought in. I was reading yeah. water, actually, that right? today. That's why it was as, as a decorative plant. Yeah. yeah. And I think, the, actually, the Japanese nutmeg was brought into the country as well. Yeah. And, 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 and we have to remember rhododendron mm. ah, yes. was yes. brought in, and that, too, is invasive and is doing damage to our native forestry. Okay. Right, we move on. <laughs> I suppose to politics, and politics is in East Clare is as interesting as anywhere else. Um, reading on the, the papers, it's on uh, page six in, in the Clare Echo. Um, it's somewhere in the Clare Champion, if I possibly. And that is Cyril Crow. Cyril Crow, originally from Six Mile Bridge, who runs a chain of uh, food stores around East Clare from Six Mile Bridge to Mount Shannon, uh, has been added to the ticket, the Fine Gael ticket, for next year's elections. How do you think, how do you think he'll do, or pass, or what, what effect do you think he'll have on the, the well, Fine Gael ticket? From the page six here, several crows selected to join Coney and work on Fine Gael election trade. And um, the three men of the area, you have several, are trading one of these shops, and you have Pat Bock with a chain of office there and here in a podium. And Joe uh, is there with the, the Clare champion, Crow. Two, two of them have silverware and Crow has just a shop. So does, is that indicating yes. something? <laughs> so the three were selected on Monday night and they were in Innes, or in Tuller, at Knocknagwiha. And um, I suppose they're, they're, they're going forward for the uh, election next mm. year. Um, who, would, who would Cyril Crow affect most of the of the other, of Poss all the candidates. Yeah, well, yeah. P possibly, possibly, uh, Alan O'Callaghan, I suppose, he'd been nearest him there. Mm. And, and Alan O'Callaghan is Fianna Fáil. Yeah, and yeah. Cyril Crowe would be a uh, nephew of John Crowe in Six Mile Bridge, who is a Fianna Gael candidate in the Shannon. Do, do you think that party politics matter, or is it purely down now to individuals and where they're located? Well, to, just to uh, a degree, you know, Cyril Crowe probably hasn't been there before, so... If, if Alan O'Callaghan is doing the work, uh, he'll probably get a share of votes there around. But, you know, it, it, it varies. It, 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 and then Cyril Crowe is probably younger than, maybe, younger than Sherwin, and he might get the younger vote, maybe. I don't know, really. Just, yeah. just have to know. I'd say the political parties would be, geography would play a bigger part, yeah. maybe, at council level. I think Alan O'Callaghan actually got in the last time. It was very close, uh, you know. So... Uh, we, we don't know, and then Sinn Féin probably found somebody in the Kildo area as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and then you have independence as well, probably. Speaking of Sinn Féin, Jim, very quickly, we reported, or the papers were reporting on a bit of a disgruntlement within the Sinn Féin party. It's page eight of the Clare Champion. Um, when, when an East Clare person, I think she is, Noelle Moran, was not selected to run for the national for, on the national ticket in the Clare constituency. Barry Vaughan, sorry, is that right? Yeah, sorry. Um, and Donna McGettigan was selected as the only candidate, but we're told here by Owen Ryan that the door is not closed for a second Sinn Féin general election candidate. Louise O'Reilly, who is the Sinn Féin spokesperson for transport and other things, was down in Clare and made the pronouncement. And she says it's going to be purely based around science and data. 
that they're going to look at it very carefully and if, if they're in with a chance of winning a second seat, then they'll run a second And they'll be quite open about it. You know, they are, which is fair enough. dictate mm -hmm. yeah. the decision. Yeah. So we wait with interest. Mm -hmm. Just, yes, just to go back to these players story there again, uh, Holland hits out at, at Fine Gael. Prince Sheikha Holland has sort of strong criticism in the election of Fine Gael headquarters and party officials locally. A two time local. It's on page time, 8 of the clear record. A two time local election candidate for the party in 2014 and 2019, has been nominated for, had been nominated for the Wonder Selection Convention for the Kildon Little District. It wasn't until the gathering that he confirmed that he was not allowing his name go forward at, at present time. Recounting his decision to put his name forward in 2014 in both Crane and Tony were passed to the Municipal District, he said he moved the move followed Sonny Scanlon's Finnegale decision to retire after 30 years plus years, 30 plus years in local politics. Finnegale was really prepared for this decision which left to Harlem with 11 weeks window to put a campaign together. But of course, it looks like there's a bit of a bit of tension there, and he doesn't, he, he do, well, they, Is it sour grapes? Like, he was nominated twice, and he didn't get elected twice. Well, yeah. in fairness to him, geography, I think, played a huge yeah. part, because he's at, in one corner of the constituency, and he's, he was cut off <clears> from, <throat> A lot of his potential support. Yeah, the, the, the last day. It was, so changed, last, uh, it was changed last time around, I think. It was, was yes. Yeah, the, and is it still the case? It's still changed. For yes. sure, he's making a wise decision then not to be. If he knows, then if he knows what you know, Jim. I'm sure he knows a lot more than I know. <laughs> then why would you put yourself forward knowing that you'll be defeated on the basis of the geographic uh, yeah. layer of the land? But anyway, it's going to be. We're looking forward to. Uh, well, it sounds as if we're getting very excited about well, it. Oh, yeah, and we will cover already. it closely. And also, the says here, you, see, you, you mightn't hold him out as, a, as an independent. Oh. Uh, it wasn't until the gathering that he confirmed he is not allowing his name go, name go forward at the present time. Ah. So he could no, be, he could, it, he could yes. be convinced. He, he, could, he, could, be decide, he could decide to go, out, go, and go yeah. independent. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, we'll go on from there. Martin McMahon, who's appeared on. Our show, John, you're looking at him there, and he looks like he's in full flow. Yeah, Martin Martin is the ICMSA uh, chairman yeah. in County Clare. Yeah. I was drawn, I was drawn to the article by Andrew Hamilton on page five of the Champion. Um, very catchy. Clare Farms could meet half of the county's gas needs. Now, before anybody jumps down my neck and says, you saw what happened up in Gort, we're not talking about parallel to Gort. Yeah. A new report has found that gas produced on Clare Farms could replace more than half of all, <coughs> excuse me, of all the natural gas used in the county. Now, lads, a statement like that is worthy of close uh, evaluation and uh, examination because the biometrics energy report launched this week by gas network ireland states that clare could reduce its carbon emissions wait for it by almost twenty-three thousand tons a year if a sustainable agri-gas industry was established in the county uh, but mark mcmahon believes that many farmers 
would be unwilling to give up food production in favour of producing gas. But the Irish government then, on the other hand, has set ambitious targets for the rollout of biometric, biomethane facilities, such as anaerobic digesters, across rural Ireland over the next decade. Now, it was the large version of that that captured the negative response in the Gort situation. So are they talking about John, a, a facility yes, on each, in each farm? In each farm, and that's, that's what makes to it To produce gas. So a tanker or whatever will come and yeah. Yeah. take it. So now, there's Martin. He's in, involved in the dairy industry, obviously. Um, well, I'll tell you one thing, John, and I hope I'll be saying this to listeners as well, and they might agree or disagree with me. Uh, farmers will choose on the basis of how much money goes into their pocket. Yeah. And if they can get money, more money out of this than they would get from producing that's a, silage for, for cattle. For a cork man coming from a farming background. Yes. That's a rather strange accusation. That is an experienced uh, <laughs> son of a farmer who would have jumped at any opportunity uh, where, where, where there was profit but involved. But around the, around the table here we have uh, uh, two farmers as I'd well. Love to, I'd love to hear their opinions about indeed, it. Indeed, and we shall invite them to it. But I, I, I suspect that there will be a vision in what they're, they're going to say. Well, Gentlemen... <laughs> You, you could be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, every farmer, Pat, I would say, is out to provide for himself and his family. family yeah. and, mm. and, you know, that, uh, as David said, that comes first and foremost. Oh, mm. dear, I, I, that's not my experience. So, <laughs> <laughs> so go on, Jim. And I suppose Ireland, like we, we produce beef and, and milk in, in from green grass, but I suppose there's a certain amount of, of, of um, maybe a certain amount of, of, of um, pollution going into rivers as well, which is affecting, affecting water systems. You know? Yeah, yeah and, and listen, the government will, will be encouraging farmers to reduce the national herd. Yeah. The dairy farmers are in a bit of trouble now. The price of milk is coming down. So, so this actually might be a solution actually for some farmers. Absolutely. If they have to reduce mm. their herds mm. in the future for climate change, they might still be able to make money from, from then, cutting grass. It's amazing the technology yeah. to be able to get gas out of silage. Uh, yeah. but but slurry is one thing, but silage is another. Mm. The, the Martin and his... Followers don't believe in, in um, the actual uh, production of silage in order to feed the, the digest. The, uh, no, they, they no, believe no. In, in, in the food production, yeah. and that is what farmers have been doing for millennia. And the gas is a byproduct. Yes, and it is a byproduct. Be, they should be paid, just like the Amazonian, the, the, the tribes in the Amazon should be paid for preserving the actual forest. Hmm. They're doing a service. For us and the rest of the world. What mm. forest are you talking about now? Yeah, the the, the main Amazon. Oh, oh yeah, the, the Amazon. Yeah. yeah, but that's not Pay. what Martin McMahon. No, no, no. But, but, but farmers are coming from a situation where they were advised by agricultural advisors of every sort mm. <laughs> how to maximize production. Yeah, yeah. maximize. You know, and expand your herds. When we moved into when we joined the EU or the EC as it was then, you know, we went from a kind of a produce everything farm to 
where there was intensive farming, where you specialized in one product, and you mm. were incentivized you are. Uh, mm. to, to maximize your output. Mm. Yeah. Um, and over the last number of years, they've been told the opposite. Yes. And they have to cut back. I wonder if many farmers really believe that it's the methane that comes from cattle that's causing so much problem. I, I, I get well, they probably They probably don't believe it, but our scientists tell us it is. So it depends on who you want to listen to then. Hmm. Yeah. But I mean, it's, should we be listening and examining what Martin is talking about? Well, we certainly, well, it is obvious that um, gas networks Ireland are, and they'll yeah. be the ones driving it, and if they put enough money and incentives in place, I think farmers will find And they should mm -hmm. put the money in. This yes. is the point. Uh, farmers should be paid to Does actually protect, to protect us. There's another issue there as well. Just save our rivers campaign, commit to hold further rallies in water quality. Listen, in the green page on, on 19 of the code. And you have, you have another one here, anger heats up over bio notice, almost a thousand customers left in limbo as, as nonsense notice remains in place. Um, Dan Denner has the story. A former Clare County Council chairman has called him Ishkayan to expedite redeeming works to facilitate lifting of a bilwater north affecting almost a thousand customers in Southeast Clare. Council Tony O'Brien, Fianna Fáil, said Ishkayan are taking an enormous amount of time to address an issue with disinfection at a plant serving the O'Brien's bridge public water supply. So, you look, you look. It, we were into farming at once, Serge, or didn't we have our rivers yeah. getting... Intensive yeah. pollution. Yeah. 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 pollution causing yeah. into, into, into mm. water supplies yeah. and uh, rivers. Yeah, okay. And, and actually, and that's, and that's one up in... That's fish came up in North Clare. It was a, out of a, a, a silver treatment plant. Yeah. And that was never highlighted, and it was sort of an industrial... Mm. Some industrial... To be all over the tables. Yeah, so. yeah. We're, we, we must go on because we're almost out of time. East Clare, I'm looking at page 13, Dan Danaher's page on East Clare. East Clare to reap the benefits of multi-million euro Quest. And of course, Quest, we were there last year in Quest, uh, and we covered it live, a big event in uh, Killaloo, mm -hmm. Ballina. And by all accounts, uh, there was huge turnout there last week. Yeah, and it was very successful. Yeah, and they did a lot of money. It was 1,200 competitors. Did you see the pontoon bridge? Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's a picture of it there at the bottom of the it's paper. Fascinating. Ireland's it's longest pontoon bridge, a big hit on Loch Derg. Mm. Um, and yeah, according to the paper, it says that uh, 4.5 million of an economic spin-off goes to the local economy, which is great. I know a few people who, who engaged in it, and it was a good yeah. event. Um, but sure, anything like that is going to be is going, going to generate money, is going yeah. to generate money, and it's great to see. It happening in Ireland, like Quest is a private company, as as I understand mm. it. Um, but it's good that they've picked the area and our geography and topography lends itself. And then they get they get they get volunteers from the Avonlea, Club Belnage, Smith O'Brien, Lockdown uh, FC, and Killaloo Sailing Club, and the Killaloo Scouts, and they they uh, mem the members there uh, do the stewarding, and the clubs get get a. a Benefit. Jim, can we give a, 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 a note to the Clare Roots Society? We'll give the first talk. 30 seconds, John. It's not even that. Go okay. But I'd, I'd alert people to read page 12 of The Champion, where there's a little, a little uh, uh, story.
story about the Clare Root Society, and if you're interested in your own your own <coughs> family background, why not read that, and you'll find that uh, September the twenty first, from seven thirty to nine p.m. in Clare Education Centre, Little Rush Road in Edinburgh. Well worth. Probably Jane Holland Ryan, of course, is very involved, involved in that. One of our own. Okay, the very last thing to mention, the plans for Whitegate Housing Project. So it's good to see... Uh, yeah, there's five houses, Jim, in, in, on Main Street in Whitegate. And um, Joe Electrical Engineering Limited are submitted planning application to Clare County Council demolish the existing structures and um, to uh, construct five two-story dwellings. So it's nice to see him be built in East Clare. Okay, and finally, I suppose on page eight of the Clare Echo, the Samaritans are on hand at the Listroon Varna Festival uh, in order to, um, well, help people deal with any difficulties that they may have. Okay, that will do. We're finished today. Uh, many thanks to everybody. Uh, Pat, as he has one other thing, Doesn't the French connection. Doesn't look at Hans Milsman here. Come on, the Mills. In the back of the champion, Jim. Uh, uh, Norman McNamara keeps a close eye on pre-match routine in Bordeaux. The French connection, rugby coach Norman McNamara speaks to Ivan Smith about a journey that has brought him from his native academy Smith to Bordeaux via New Zealand and South Africa. So Noel has been on the station here with us and um, he's a coach to the Bordeaux Beatles, I think now, the team he's coaching. So Lovely. he has an article there on the back of the, back of the club champion. Lovely guy. And I suppose yeah. will, and he, will he be on hand for your match against Carcassonne next weekend, <laughs> Pat? I doubt it, I'll be out in France. Well, we'll be there anyway, <laughs> Gareth Bay. Okay, many thanks for joining us today to John S. Thank you, John. You're welcome, Jim. And to Pat. Thank you, Pat. Thanks, Jim. And to David. David Gormagos. Pleasure, Jim. Uh, now, we're, um, we have a music to finish on. We'll go over with Glenn Miller in the mood. In the mood. Oh, well, yeah. we're in the mood today. Yeah. Nin 1942, isn't it? I'd say it goes back that far. Probably does, yeah. Anyway, many thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next Sunday afternoon with the help of God. So, from us, for now, goodbye and God bless. <laughs>